This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hi, Aaron. Hello, listeners. Um, Nothing's up. Pretty tired. All-time unproductive week for me, I think. At work, just, you know wallowing in it day after day here um a little bummed you know uh, i know you were supposed to see rage against the machine here so was i ended up getting those tickets refunded um so that's on the bad end of cancellations on the good end of cancellations i just got a mail today that i had an upcoming wedding next month that has now been canceled so that's great just because it lets me take like a, a thing off of my desk here because i had this save the date thing sitting on my desk for like Six months, and now I can just throw it away, and that feels great. I was actually going to go to the St. Louis show because I don't think Run the Jewels was on the Chicago date, right? That's correct. Yeah, I don't. I assume probably a Lollapalooza issue where they can't run Chicago within X many mm. months of Lollapalooza. I did notice that on the 2021 dates, Run the Jewels is set for the Chicago date. But who oh, knows? Oh, are they? Yes. Oh, I didn't notice that. But that might be because... Uh, Lollapalooza isn't happening, or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but they are set for that date, so that'll change oh, this things. This might actually be an upgrade, then. Yes, but no idea if the shows will actually happen. That would require Rage Against the Machine staying together for another year. Well, I'm not too worried about that, because the fact that they did the whole giant tour probably means they need the money, and they're not going to need the money less come next year. So That's true. That's true. Uh, we're also joined by a man who did not have tickets for the Rage Against the Machine Run the Jewels tour. It's Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I could have had tickets to it, and you just didn't. I never brought it up. That's a pretty massive assumption you're making there, Super Chief. Well, I feel there's like a, you would have brought it up. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean probably I would fair. have, to be fair. <laughs> but, there's, yeah. there's a chat we're all in where everyone in there was talking about buying the ticket. So I think you would have piped up. Yeah, no, I mean, my. My future plans were basically, I know that y'all were talking about being in Japan. I, I was looking at being in Japan earlier this month. That was my big thing that kind of got tossed by the wayside. So no run to jewels and no Japan. Uh, Nate, I've been meaning to ask you for a little bit. We haven't had a, a uh, check-in on the succulents. How are they holding up? Uh, I think I think they're doing pretty well, with the exception of the one guy who's been... Uh, the struggle guy. Yeah, the struggle guy. He's uh, He's grown uh distressingly tall and um you know i can see that he's visibly reaching for the sun here in the uh in the window because it's kind of an inset window in my office here and he's getting real long and all the all the leaves beyond the sort of top fourth are all pretty brown and dead so he's uh i'm kind of tempted just to give up on him just because it's like i if they're not going to look attractive then what do i even want them for but, I mean, for love. You want them for love. Yeah, no, not not how I operate so much. Um, 
but I'm I'm not going to pack it in quite yet. I'm going to I'm going to see if I don't know. I mean, these these succulent leaves don't like they're not going to suddenly be bursting with new life if it, you know, gets enough sun and water after a while, right? It's like these these ones are probably cashed out. I mean, I don't I, I'm not too versed in succulent growth. I mean, peppers, tomatoes, I could help you out there with that. But succulents, I think pretty much once they pop, they stop. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, what I'm thinking. So I don't know. Might might just, you know, replace it whole hog sooner or later. We're really getting a look behind the curtain here because that means Nate's interest, uh, his priority uh, of his interest in aesthetics extends beyond wrestling. And at least into succulents. Yeah, well, you know, it might be a different calculation if I didn't have, uh, you know, a variety of succulents here. If this was the only one I had and it was like, well, you know, I'm not getting any sort of uh, positive air or mood effects from these other plants. You know, if, if I just had the one plant, then I'd be like, well, I'm going to keep it around. It's the only plant I got. But again, I have a multitude at this point. So having the one ugly guy is kind of like, what do I need to be for no stragglers around in Nate's home with the succulents. Look, I just expect excellence. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, my interest in aesthetics applies to both. And I, my interest in uh, the star making machines applies to both. I like seeing stars get made. I like seeing crowds react to big stars. And I just, uh, this, this succulent isn't going to be a star. Then, uh, you know, his time's limited. Love the idea of somebody coming over to Nate's place and just popping huge for the for the newest best succulent uh, i mean uh i did have a friend over after we started this podcast and i started talking about the succulents who walked in and went let me see those succulents <laughs> like, right here, man. big stars follow, follow me <laughs> big stars All i right. think he's i think he stopped listening to the podcast since because he, they stopped watching AEW. But they were actually texting me, uh, uh, my, my friend and his uh, significant other. They were texting me about it yesterday saying, oh, should we get back into it? Is it good? I'm like, well, we're 10 minutes in, so I can't really say. But <laughs> maybe well, they're, they're thinking about giving another chance here. Hey. Well, dear listeners, we, we will have an answer for whether AW was good last night on this episode. If you want to reach out to us, we are at Everything AEW on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike. Is that Fuji Heya? I started going into that patter on my Joshi podcast like uh, two episodes ago. I was like, I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is. I was like, oh, Nate's not on this podcast. It's bad. Subscribe to the podcast. You can search Everything Elite. I forgot the name on the podcast app of your choice or subscribe to the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. If you're on the Apple Podcast app, please give us a rating, a review. And if you need more Everything Elite content, you can go to patreon.com slash everything elite which we'll talk later about what is coming up soon on the patreon so on this episode we're gonna play elite or delete we're gonna run down dynamite and we will be previewing double or nothing of course on this episode uh and maybe one of the more interesting weeks of ratings we'll talk ratings here in a little bit also but we're gonna start as always with elite or delete delete elite Nate, I mean, uh, our, our starting thing, I try to go back and forth, but I forget from week to week who I did the most recent time. So oh, no, you, you always go to Nate first. Like that's the conceit. No, the starting thing he goes to Mike sometimes. 
No, I, 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 I try to go back and forth on the, at the yeah. start. I try to go episode well, it's, by it's episode. Certainly not fifty fifty. I say it's probably seventy thirty in favor of me. Yeah, would be my my reading of it. I sit here as I'm like starting, and I'm like, okay, who did I go to first last time? And I try to think it out in my brain, but my brain uh, doesn't work that well. So maybe I'll start making notes. I I mean, we what we should have is our listeners should put together like a spreadsheet of who goes first, who goes second. I mean, it's like how I keep track of the hangman meter, which we will be updating today. It's like if, uh, you know, if we had as fans who were as dedicated to us as the starters fans who, you know, they keep up with, with everything on spreadsheets. We need some spreadsheet fans. Uh, we do have some pretty great fans, though. I'm going to plug this in just because I happen <laughs> to look at it now. Uh, I made a call to get some more uh, iTunes reviews here. So we got a new podcast review from LD McStrong. Says, uh, show is better than talking to my kid. Five stars. I don't really have anything to talk. To. I don't have anyone to talk to about wrestling except my kid, and his opinions are terrible. I pretty much agree <laughs> with these guys on the wrestling opinions, so it is better than talk to my kid. I don't really like my kid. <laughs> I don't really like my kid. They do chase rabbits and talk about stuff that I couldn't care less about. But at least I can skip ahead on the podcast. Cap. Gets five stars because of Mike's tracksuits. So we got to talk about Mike's tracksuits. Wow. Bring in the ratings here to the podcast. Thank you for the review. Um, hopefully you didn't skip this part. That would be funny if we, uh, if we got to talk about my succulents. Uh, but I can for sure say our opinions are better than most children's. You know, so it's not not exclusive to your kid. And my tracksuits are more interesting than chasing rabbits. So, is this a euphemism? Is this a Southern fried spears? No, that no, I no, chasing no. Rabbits? No, I mean, I, I don't know that I've heard it. I mean, I meant literally chasing rabbits. I mean, I'm wearing my SST Midnight Blue right now. It's it's casting a good aura. I feel like in our Zoom slash Jitsi chat right now, I feel like that it's, it's bringing up everyone's spirits. So yeah, I like the the mental picture of Mike in a tracksuit. Chasing a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are uh, wild rabbits around here, so it's not outside the realm of possibility to see me come down from the from my mountain estate in the compound with like a giant cartoon net trying to chase after a rabbit. I mean, <laughs> I think that that's the that's not outside the realm of possibility for me. If, if we, we had, ever, uh, I was going to do total tangent. We had we had rabbits as pets when I was a small child, like before I reached even adolescence or anything um and uh i have older sisters and the rabbits would eat all of their feet off of their barbie dolls so there'd be all these mutilated barbies in our basement all the time and that's what i think about when i think about rabbits if we ever get big enough to have fan art i hope somebody does mike in a tracksuit with a with a big uh net just just have a uh mike commission that the tracksuit is the key element really Yeah. yeah yeah that's true I was okay. going to say, fuck, what's the word? <laughs> Anthropomorphized tracksuit would be what I would like to see. Just the tracksuit fully realized and uh, and sentient and serving up opinions on Toriyaman. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm really here for. That's my uh, ideal. I mean, just make sure that the anthropomorphized tracksuit is an Adidas because I live the three-stripe life. What's your hat? Oh, this is a hat that I got for a uh, uh, one of my favorite websites and oh, podcasts. Do crimes, okay, okay. It says do crimes on it. It's from one of my favorite podcasts, the recently departed shutdown fullcast. They all got furloughed by Vox, and they were doing a fund to get to cover people's uh, contracts for the time that they're furloughed. And 
it had a very nice hat that it has McGruff the crime dog. But instead of saying don't do crimes, it says do crimes. And it makes me happy. All right. Makes me happy. Everybody's happy. Great. You know what else makes me happy? The elite portions of AW Dynamite. Nate, what's your pick for this week? Uh, t- this is a, a little bit of a uh, legacy pick or a uh, consistency pick, I guess. Uh, but Sammy Guevara, I thought, in the main event, really carried what could have been a rough main event segment. Um, you know, because we're not super high on Matt Hardy doing long main event level matches at this point in his career, um, you know, without smoke and mirrors and uh, gimmick changes and shit to sort of spice him up. But I thought Sammy really had a pretty impressive performance as the heel. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, uh, he, pretty much they've been willing to put him all over these television shows. He's been in main events on TNT uh, a number of times this year and really throughout the history of the promotion. Uh, and he pretty much delivers every time. Every time he's on screen, you can pretty much bank on him at least doing something amusing or original where, you know, a lot of other people would maybe uh, do something boring or samey. So I'm just going to give it up to Sammy this week. Yeah, if we were going to give like a MVP of the month of May for All Elite Wrestling, I feel like it would have to be Sammy. He's sitting on all cylinders. He really did kind of, through force of will, make the main event interesting. Earlier this week on Dark, he had a really fun match with Alan Angels. And he's just become one of the people that... And I think it's going to be interesting to watch this Saturday night that your eye is just drawn to whatever he's doing. And when we're going to have like a 10, we're going to have a 10 men match. Uh, my, uh, there's going to be a core of my eye is going like, okay, what's Sammy up to? Like that's something that's going to be caught in the back of your head. And it's just really interesting. I think it's going to see how things play out for him because I would say that no one has gone from uh, being potentially great to actualizing their greatness and being great as quickly in this promotion as Sammy Guevara has. And I, I totally co-sign your him as your early of the week. He's my MVP of the month of May. What do you all think of him putting Matt Hardy over clean here? Um, I think it's fine because it doesn't hurt Sammy at all. Uh, cause that's sort of his role and he, he, you know, his character stuff is enough to make him a strong heel. Pretty much irrelevant of how he's booked as the lost pole in the inner circle. Um, you know, he kicked out of a twist of fate, right? So that protects him a little bit. And obviously, you know, this promotion, uh, perceives Hardy as a top guy. He has a history of drawing eyeballs and having his own sort of fandom and stuff that follows him with this broken gimmick. So yeah, I don't think it was the the wrong choice. I, you know, compared to other things on the show, happier to see a clean win than not. Yeah, I think that he's pretty Teflon at this point and he could take these losses now, whereas down the road when they're trying to elevate him, that would be an issue. But now against Matt Hardy of all people, that's a pretty strong loss. And as Nate said, he did kick out of a twist of fate. All right, Mike, your turn. Let's, let's hear what you thought was elite this week. All right. So I, my elite pick of the week. Well, first off, we, we need to do something first. We had the return of hangman last night. We are going to need to reassess the hangman meter. It was at a three. We, we were doing a segment set inside a segment. We're intercepting this here. He was at a three. The last time he was on TV how much of a baby face do you think Hangman was this week? Well, he uh, he had the big baby face um, save in the main event. Yes. 
So that works in his favor, obviously, as far as being the baby face. Um, however, earlier in the week on BTE, of course, he had the big promo, which we discussed on light, um, in which he basically acknowledges that he's the bad guy. Uh, he, he asks the camera the question, am I the bad guy? And the camera responds, yeah, no, you're the bad guy here. Um, and, and really, he came to the conclusion that no matter what he did, he was going to be the bad guy in one way or the other. So uh, I think with him admitting that he's the bad guy in leaving his self-isolation in the woods and uh, coming back to television despite the pandemic, uh, you know, I don't know that his obvious misgivings or guilt, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, redeems him or uh, – excuses that when he you know and, and really in a way he he knows that it's not the correct thing to be doing and he did it anyway and that kind of makes him more culpable really so uh, i'm gonna kind of call it a wash he did the baby face save but uh broke isolation in order to do it so i'm gonna i'm gonna put him at wherever i had him last week i don't know if you have our individual ratings i think you uh, probably had a four a, yeah i think you're at a four i'm gonna keep him at a four okay ab where do you have him at I got him pure baby face. I got him at a one. Oh, we got a one out here. Okay. I got him at a one. The save is obvious. I mean, he's doing something that's uh, against his own interests, against his own principles, yes, to help his friends, to help the people that he doesn't even really want to be in a group with anymore. Uh, he kind of wants to get away from them, but he's so willing to help them that he will go against what he knows to be right. So okay. th there's a, there are some shades of gray to it, but I think it's pretty pure babyface stuff. See, okay, I can hear that. I think I'm at a two because he is, as Nate said, knows that he is committing the social ill of leaving isolation, but and he acknowledges that, but he does come out there, save his friends, runs 100 yards across the field to attack people, and then he walks off. So, I mean, like, it, it's, again, shades of gray there a little bit. Like, is he the bad guy in that he's going to be the person who's going to let down his friends because he's just that much of an ind individual at this point? So, I kind of see him a little bit more towards what AB is saying, but still, like, he's like a two to me right now. I want to break down the geography of that main event segment while we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was going to be my elite. So let's okay. talk about this. Do, yeah, do your elite. Oh, me. yeah. No, no. It's the, the fact that uh, Tony Khan is able to say, hey, dad, uh, let's uh, since we're not going to be using the football thing for anything for a while, let's go change the end zones to be elite. And then inner circle, let's put these graphics up on the screen and then let's just all brawl in the end zone. And then Paige, who famously says that he has like a 3840, decides to run out there in cowboy boots and bootcut wranglers to go save his friends. I thought that that was just such a tremendous thing and, and ridiculous too, like trying to tie Kenny Omega up against the, uh, the goalpost and hit him with Floyd, the bat. Like it was just a good time. And you know, for a brawl that needed to end the show, cause this is how they like do things was not their strongest brawl, but I felt like it did enough like extra spice into it because we got to see the bucks back and we got to see hangman back. But I thought it was a strong way to at least build to the uh, stadium stampede match. Yeah. So it was, you know, a uh, unique way to end the show and sort of do something memorable and, uh, you know, put some focus and shine on Hangman there by having him sprinting across the entire football field. Uh, I am very amused by the geography of it, if you imagine. So Kenny was backstage somewhere. The inner circle went and captured him and tied him to the, you know, goalpost or whatever it was. 
Uh, I did like that they just like ripped his shirt to make him look like more haggard and like he was a damsel in distress or whatever. That was very amusing to me. Uh, but while this was all happening, the Bucks apparently were just like up in the seats in the stadium, were just like hanging out in the stadium in their gear. And Hangman Page is at the far end of the stadium, like a mile away by himself, just doing nothing. I was very amused by that. But, you know, as a sort of uh, storytelling and metaphorical thing, you know, he had to come the furthest. He uh, really had to sprint from his isolated position far away to, to run all the way across the field and make the save. So it works in that regard, but it was very like pro wrestling calculated, doesn't make any sense upon further reflection sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's very weird, which they're in like a, a tough spot of trying to reintroduce the Bucks and Page in a way that's interesting and carries the weight that it needs to carry. And I, I do think it would have been better to have reintroduced them inside the, uh, you know, Daly's place where the people there could have reacted. Yeah, and so you get it some feels, sort of reaction. Yeah. yeah, it feels like something happened because it was so weird. At least Paige had like the running thing. So it's like, that's good. He does the big lariat. Like, that's good. But when the Bucks jump down, it's like, okay. You know, like it just didn't feel as as hefty as it should have. And I mean, but that's part of, you know, not having a crowd, but I just uh, wish they wish they could have handled it a little better. All right. My elite pick of the week. Frankly, I did not think this was a very good episode of Dynamite. So I had to pick out just some uh, little things that I really liked. And I have complained about pounce bumps on this show. So I will give credit where it's due. Chris Statlander did an awesome bump off of Nyla, giving her the pounce. And I look great. This was a uh, a match that I wasn't crazy about. And maybe we'll talk about that later. But it did have this moment in it where Nyla and Chris both did what they are really good at doing. And I enjoyed it. You see, Marco, that's how you sell a pounce. That's right, baby. Although Marco's been really good lately. So I'm not going to give Marco. Oh, hey, Marco, credit. again, another person who had a great performance on AEW Dark. Like You did. But yeah, Chris like flew. Uh, shoulders or tea kettle for it. It was great. Like that's how I want to see a pounce. That reminds me of Monty Brown, and and I felt like that that was a a great little spot in a match that had a lot of problems. I got a sense. I I know where Nate's going to go here, but let's hear it. What's your what's your delete pick of the week? All right, happy to swerve you here. Um, yeah, which I am doing really just because I already complained about distraction finishes and run ins. As my delete was like, if not last week, it was two weeks ago. I can't recall. Um, but, you know, I have worn that uh, pretty well out, and I was tweeted about it angrily. Um, so this is like a larger concept thing, I guess. I guess I'll, I'll peg it to the Brody Lee promo to open this show. It kind of felt like Brody Lee has introduced this uh, very entertaining character who is, you know, the corporate cult leader who apes all these personality aspects of Vince McMahon, right? Fun idea for a character. Um, you know, fits the Dark Order business and theme, what they've been doing with that. And uh, I I just have a little bit of trouble connecting to it on more than a, uh, I guess, objective way. I don't know. I just, his promo came out here and he did this whole spiel about hyping up his underling 10 to go and fight John Moxley. And it just felt very much like I am performing this character 
you know, I have my lines. I'm going to do this. I, I just needed some sort of humanity or something to, to latch onto there that made it, that grounded a little bit more and like, oh, this is a reality and this has some sort of stakes for these humans other than, you know, I'm playing my little character and I've got my little, my little bits. It just felt very much like a, a kind of rote heel segment. And I think this is a, a kind of uh, the other the other act that I would relate this to is uh, probably the best friends because the best friends who I've really put over as being, uh, you know, kind of in the right uh, 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 attitude or right mood or the right sort of approach to pro wrestling for this promotion. They're very entertaining, but you kind of keep them slotted in that mid card, upper mid card segment because they're like very unknowable and disconnected and aloof and have the like ironic distance from the things they care about. Right. And they play this in a very uh, appropriate way for the current era. And it's like, you know, the most millennial wrestlers possible really, but that kind of holds them back from getting to a point where you want to root for them or feel something for them. Right. So this is basically a long walk to say, I, I really need Trent to cry. I need Trent to cry on the show and for us to really feel it. You see, I don't think Trent's going to be the one that cries. I think it's going to be Chuck. See, oh, so this is, so really what saved Chuck's career was when he was getting really sad sack on Twitter and was like, I'm going to retire, right? Right, yeah. This is where everybody's like, oh, no, we actually love and appreciate Chuck Taylor. And then, you know, since then he's, you know, went to Ring of Honor in New Japan and now he's here and he's like, you know, making more money and doing better or whatever. But it's like, he has a cute dog. We're kind of, we're, we're, we're disconnected from that human side of Chuck Taylor and we kind of just get the funny, Twitter side of Chuck Taylor and of Trent. And I just, you know, Trent is probably the guy they have pegged to be like a, a guy they can elevate as a singles star right out of those. I just, I think I need, I need him to cry. I need Brody to like infuse his promo with some of his hatred of Vince McMahon or whatever. So we can see like just part of the humanity aspect of it instead of like the burlesque aspect of it. So that's my delete. <laughs> No, I, I get where you're coming from for that. Like, it makes sense. Like, there is, and, and I think, like, some of the better content they have done, like, the, some of the better shoulder content has been the, uh, has been, like, the more humanizing content, like, in Road sure. 2, like, yeah. the sit-down promos like this. And, we, like, that, that's that's going to be a hard hurdle to jump for a character like Brody Lee in general is to have the hu- the humanizing element because it's just not in the character whereas with someone like chuck taylor you feel like that that's more possible i i did really like how they posted this on twitter about when uh when orange cassie sends the back they were getting the golf cart and they said hey our friend doesn't want us there so uh there's bourbon in the locker room and they drove away and then like very quickly drove says, our friend's in trouble our friend's in trouble and i thought that that was a level of humanization that fits with them but like yeah like it, it needs to be like taken to an actual level and not played up for last yeah it's very very appropriate for their characters and their bits and their humor and stuff, but doesn't actually make me think they have uh, any concern for orange Cassidy. Right. Which is kind of, you know, orange, uh, orange is very relatable when he's getting his ass kicked and stuff and you can actually feel sympathy for him. But like Trent's like, Oh, I got to send my friend. He's getting his ass kicked. It's like, well, you know, you're being funny. We get it. Yeah. Um, my delete and. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, he's got a take. 
Oh, you got take. Sorry, I gotta I get in on this. I, I didn't know yet you had a take copper already. I didn't know it was ready to take off. I'm sorry to prevent the takeoff of the, Firing up the take take. chopper here. Yeah, the chopper. Look, look, I, let me get out of the way of the landing area. Bring it in for a landing. Let's hear your takes. No, buddy, the take chopper is a motherfucking machine gun, baby. I'm about to blow off these rounds. That's what's about to happen. Uh, so this was the first time when I thought uh, the Dark Order is is over. It has to go. It has to end. <laughs> Um, I've all okay, so this is this is the good this is the the Aaron Billy I'm used to where it's one bad segment that means they need to go away forever and never no, come back. No, it's it's I'm putting it all together here, Nate. So this was the first time where I thought this isn't an interesting idea that they are failing to execute well. It's not an idea at all. <laughs> it's a germ of an idea of like, wouldn't it be funny if Brody Lee is kind of like Vince McMahon? And let's shoehorn it into this Dark Order thing that we already had going, but they haven't been able to expand it beyond that. I mean, you could tell that Brody had some ideas for that promo, but it wasn't really that fleshed out because he was kind of not making sense from from line to line, trying to get where he was going. And I, I just, what does it all mean? What, what is the purpose? Uh, it's not at all tethered to pro wrestling in any real way. And it's not interesting on a different level. Uh, beyond like, oh, this probably pisses off Vince McMahon. And I mean, that's funny. But I, I just, I think it is the the humanizing part that you're talking about, Nate. There's just, there's nothing to latch on to. And at this point, I think it would be better to for Brody to do something where he kind of just uh, pulls, throws all the shackles off of this and they can find some interesting way to make it seem like it is within the context of the story. But there's just not an idea here. Yeah, I mean, there is an idea. Like the, the I guess you know, defining idea. There, there's an idea of it, which is exactly the the idea you described. But yeah, there's no in for the audience to connect to it in a way other than like, you know, oh, that's funny. They're making fun of this man. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no real stakes for the audience to get invested in. Um, they, they just have to find some sort of way to ground it. And make it meaningful in, in a wrestling context. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't care who wins this match between he and John Moxley. Well, I think you probably don't want Brody Lee to win it, right? I mean, I don't. It's like, it's like the not not the correct kind of heat, right? Right. Exactly. It's like, oh, that would be boring. That would and... be a, a, a bad strategic step for <laughs> the booking. Yeah. Right. But yeah, there's no like, I don't just want to see John Moxley beat him for some reason. So yeah. Anyway, that was, that was my take. I will uh, put the take chopper back um, in its case and, uh, and, and let Mike move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nate wasn't going to talk about this. I am. I fucking hated the ending of orange Cassie versus Phoenix. That just was a match where the two of the guys were two of the more interesting, inventive and creative wrestlers they have on the roster it was really kind of hitting the right stride and showing that like Phoenix might be, well, if not the best entering wrestler in AEW's roster, he has certainly has a play, a claim to it. And Orange Cassidy is basically just like a sleeper agent, fantastic worker, which we all know too. But then they had to have Kip fucking Sabian bring out a fucking ladder and then everyone do a whole bunch of dipshit. And then we had a distraction finish. And then we had Phoenix almost die in a dive that either I, some people have said that the, 
that the spotting catching was wrong. So people were like, oh, he added in a twist at the end that completely changed his trajectory. And it didn't do really anything to, to either build up the match that was happening or the match the interview. It just was mind-numbing on top of mind-numbing. And then we just had it kind of... At that point, that was a moment where I just completely in the Discord lost it and got as angry as I usually ever get about pro wrestling. It just was a terrible idea there, especially in a show that went off the rails a lot. And I don't know, even though how much I enjoyed the uh, show ending segment, I don't know if after this moment, the show returned back on the rails. So like this was like one of those like moments that there were two uh, possible realities we had. We had the good reality where we had this awesome TV match between two incredibly skilled pro wrestlers. And then it continues to have a strong go-home show for a pay-per-view that's probably going to have difficulty selling pay-per-views. Or we could have had what happened, which is a complete and utter mess. So pretty much from this moment on until the final segment, I was somewhat checked out on the show because I was so fucking furious about this goddamn ladder match build that did not need to be there or at least you could have done it after there was a finish yeah it was a really great match which made the fuck finish all that more annoying i'm never gonna be okay with distraction finishes i know that you know mid-south or whatever has done sports entertainment ass angles to build feuds for big shows or whatever and this is not a uniquely wwe thing or anything but it's just that was like one of the things that turned me off watching WWE is like you watch any episode of Raw and like count how many distraction finishes there are and count how many people lose matches because they get distracted by music and it makes them get pinned because they're so fucking dumb. Um, yeah, every time I see one, I'm going to get mad about it pretty much. Uh, and I don't think that's invalid. Um, really great match. Didn't, I don't know. I can imagine how this would have worked with the crowd, but it didn't work. It was kind of snake bit in that Phoenix got hurt. Britt got hurt. Matt Jackson got hurt. Apparently Marco got hurt. Um, just, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe bad layout, especially when you don't need people going to the hospital right now. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a WWE thing that, you know, you knew when this match started, a ladder would be introduced to our, our view at some point we would see a ladder. I mean, I was hoping it could have been something that happened after the match, though. Yeah, but it's like you don't. All right, you can you can build this kind of match in two ways. One, work up some actual issues between the people who are involved, which they kind of been doing with Orange and and Phoenix, so that was working. And you can do that with other people who are going to be in it. They're kind of playing this thing on Twitter that has to do with SCU and what's going on with them. And Darby is involved in that. The other way you can do it. It's just have the fucking match. It's just say, we've got nine exciting people and they're going to do exciting stuff. And that's a valid way to have a wrestling match. You don't have to make all of them interact in these cold ways that doesn't actually increase the excitement for the match in any way. No, and you have this that you could have said, hey, this is a preview of what you'll be seeing on Saturday Night on Pay-Per-View as two of the more most outstanding high flyers in our company will be facing off to see who has momentum going into the ladder match. You could have just had it like that. That uh, that's a great point, Aaron. I really uh, hadn't thought of it in that way, but I totally agree with you that you make it seem all the more phony and uh, 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 fakely constructed when you just have this these 
check marks that you have to hit because that's just what you oh we're doing a big ladder match on the pay-per-view oh well all the guys are going to come out and there's going to be a ladder and that's how we're going to build to the big ladder match feels like uh booking by numbers like oh this is their little coloring book for how we build this match and this is what we're going to do does not feel organic at all uh feels totally phony and yeah actually lessens my you know i'm already not high on ladder matches just lessens my investment to be like Okay, well, I know what's going to happen now is all the guys are going to do the dice. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Just be like honest about it. Be like, hey, here's a crazy fucking match that we're going to do. These guys are all competitors, and they're all uh, you know in the running for a title shot here. That's a good reason to watch. I don't need to believe that Phoenix is mad at Kip because Kip sat on a ladder. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> right? It's yeah. for a title shot. That That's the only story you need. These yeah, guys want to win the match. Okay. Also, like you can just pin Orange because you're yep. he's Phoenix. Phoenix should be a top guy. Like you can just pin Orange Cassidy. And it's not a pinfall match. You don't win the match by pinfall, the ladder match. So it doesn't matter if somebody takes a fall leading into the big match. Anyway. Yeah. No. I'm now I'm getting more. I'm getting annoyed about it all over again. <sighs> I, and I haven't even deleted anything. And I'm annoyed about everything we've talked about so far. <laughs> I guess. I'll talk about the the women's match when we get to it. So I'm going to leave that out. But I'm just going to say the wrestling on this show was good. When they actually had people in between the ropes, that was all fun. And I enjoyed it. Every time they tried to do an angle in some way, whether it was with promos or with the, the stuff we just talked about, all that failed. Like badly, I thought. I don't think any talking segment made any match more exciting. Uh, I don't think any angle on this show made me more interested in one of the matches that's going to be on Double or Nothing. And that's the only goal that they should have had coming into this show. They, I'm really seeing a, a bad uh, trajectory here of like sometimes on these big matches, and it's Cody matches, so maybe that tells the story, <laughs> is the go-home angle is two people talking at each other. Yeah. You, know, you think about uh, Cody and Jericho, which they actually had a hot, yeah, angle but, earlier, but the last one was shitty before the match. Well, the last yeah. one was everyone brawling. The 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 talking is a go home is high risk, high reward. If you got a fucking killer promo that can talk people into the match, that's great. If you have Arn and Jake rambling and talking about two different things and not telling us what the story of the thing is, then it's just flat and awkward. Yeah, yeah, and and it was, and we'll talk about it a little more when we get to it. But that's my criticism: is yeah. they just they've got to think more about. They're trying to paint by numbers. I think, like Nate was talking about, like they have these angles, and this is how they want to get there. I think they need to take a step back and and think more about the beats that that Mike has talked about. Of like, okay, how do we slightly escalate this each week and then get it to a boiling point at the end? And Somebody, and it's going to have to be Tony Khan, is going to have to say, all right, just because other people think this person is uh, best used in this role, like, for example, just because a lot of people think Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson are, are great promo guys, which I do think that, but that doesn't mean they're the best ones to get a Cody versus Lance Archer match <laughs> boiling for a pay-per-view. So uh, let me portray per take. Yeah, sorry. Let me offer you a way to look at Cody and Lance Archer taking out all the promos. And, and, and I I wrote a uh, 
preview on Voices of Wrestling this week for the show, and I somewhat talked about this in this, but so taking Arn Anderson out of here, Lance Archer appears, and he appears immediately has his eyes on Cody. They have a tournament and a lead up to this match where where uh, Lance Archer takes out Cody's brother in an incredibly violent fashion. You have the idea that he is intimidating his wife. You have the idea that he eliminates one of Cody's best friends in QT Marshall. That's that's adding a beat, adding a beat, adding a beat as these two are coming to the conclusion for this title. You did not need to have uh, Jake the Snake Roberts there having incoherent promos every other week and Arn Anderson bless his heart. You did not need him there as well. There was already a story there by actions that have taken place in the matches and around matches. You did not need the promos. And that that's like a frustrating thing is when you like look at, at the show, this go home show, the non wrestling stuff that worked was not the promos. It was the backstage video with Darby Allen, where he's like targeting everyone in the match. It is pack saying, Hey, Death Triangle still exists. You think that I'm going to be held home again. My main man, Phoenix, is going to beat the shit out of Orange Cassidy. That was the stuff that was effective. It wasn't the promos. It wasn't the Brody Lee awkward, like, starting off the uh, match thing. There's, it was not Moxley breaking Ten's arm for whatever reason, other than, hey, this is your sacrifice. Okay, cool, smash. The only promo I'd argue that was somewhat effective about the show was when Mox was with Alex Marvez and basically said, Hey, we've come to this point here where this is happening. And I felt like that, that was like the one effective thing where it's like in sports and business, everything is reduction to violence in the end, move your car. I don't want to, I want my belt back. No. And it's only going to get bad. It's going to get worse from here. Brody Lee's going to sleep. And when he wakes up, he'll have lost the match wherever he thinks power is. And he'll only have a three piece suit and some creepy dudes and get masked. That actually was a promo that elevated the match. That was like, Hey, you've done all this. But violence is going to be get violence. Like that was an effective promo. All the other promos on the show were very ineffective. All right. Well, they got slightly more viewers for this go home show than they had last week, up to seven hundred one thousand from six hundred fifty four thousand. Uh, more importantly, they moved up in the demo from a point two three to a point two six. Good for seventh uh, in, in cable on the night. NXT dropped to five hundred ninety two thousand. 53rd in the demo, a 0.13. So yes, AEW doubled NXT in the demo. And uh, frankly, NXT is, I mean, AEW is like vaguely competitive with the huge NASCAR rating. Yeah, so interesting TV night. This was the week that I was talking about a while back that this would be the big night. And Mass Singer did 8.9 million to win the night at 2.3. NASCAR did a two, but only a 0.34 demo-wise. And then ESPN, who did like a cinematic playing of game six after all the Michael Jordan stuff, got fourth with a 0.29. So AEW is competitive, and it's to an extent where there is now probably more of an argument and demo that NXT, that the lead in the AEW has with whichever like movie they put on there, is closer to the NXT demo now than NXT is as close to the AEW demo now, which I think is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of concern about different things, you know, showing up against AEW, but it just looks like, I mean, obviously, new content is king, as as Nate would uh, agree with me, I think. So The Last Dance does huge numbers, but a replaying of Game 6 of the 98 Finals 
I mean, more people watched it, but nobody really gives a shit, you know, about something like that. So that stuff isn't going to steal away from AEW. No, no. And it's something that, you know, now we're entering the summer. I don't think there's any huge TV coming up. So this was like the big storm. And the fact that this NBA final did do better in the demo, but it had almost 100,000 less total viewers than AEW, they have to feel pretty okay about this. Like, as I've been saying for a while, their demo has been about the same each week. It's been up and down in P2+, plus, but their demo has stayed pretty consistent during this. Do you want to talk about uh, conversion rates at this point, or do you want to talk about when we're talking about double or nothing? Let's hold off on this, because it's, I just put it there, because this is where it, it fit on the notes. But I, I we, when we talk about uh, double or nothing and like where we talk and make our projections, I'll talk about that. Okay, we are going to run down. We, I'm not sure if I changed the number here, so I'm not going to say what week of TV it was. But it was last night's episode of Dynamite. We're recording this on Thursday, of course. So I th- we've talked about most of this damn show at this point, but we'll run through it. Uh, the Inner Circle arrived by Limousine. Real WCW hours to start this show, which I appreciated. Alex Marvez met them for an interview. And Chris Jericho said, if you think what we did to Vanguard last week was bad, wait till you see what we do to the elite tonight. Highlight of this segment was uh, as he was walking away, Ortiz took Alex Marvez's tie clip and said, this is probably worth something. Straight into the Brody Lee promo that I think we've talked uh, talked through at this point. Um, but the this was building up to the John Moxley versus 10 match. And we got that match. John Moxley, of course, won with the paradigm shift. I guess the thing I was most surprised here was I thought maybe the Dark Order would get involved, but we would learn uh, after the match why they did not, because Mox throws a chair in the ring. He takes 10's elbow sleeves off, sleeve off and puts his arm inside the chair, like between the chair, stands on the chair, starts a promo. So I don't know what you're trying to do by stealing my belt, but I'm not going to chase you around. I'm just going to give you 10 seconds, and then I'm going to break this guy's arm. So Brody Lee shows up on the big screen, and this I thought from, from Mox was pretty effective. But Brody shows up on the big screen, says, you don't call the shots. You made your bed. Uh, now I'm going to put you to sleep in it. Um we all have to make sacrifices. So tonight for my sacrifice, I'm leaving. And Mox says, okay, see you then. And hits that chair with another chair, you know, breaking Ten's arm. I thought the match, I thought Ten was pretty solid in what was the biggest match of his career. I thought that he held up his end of the uh, bargain there. Yeah. Th- well, we'll talk about the angles, I guess, more when we get into the, the preview. But um, I just don't know what was what was gained here for anybody. Yeah, with this post-match angle. Next up, MJF defeated Marco Stunt with the salt of the earth armbar and uh, a good little run here for Marco between Dark and Dynamite where he's doing pretty good work. I mean, he went for a Dragon Rana in this match. <laughs> and if you go for a Dragon Rana in a match, you have my attention. After the match, we got an MJF promo. He said, Marco, you shocked the world, buddy. You lasted much longer than we thought you would. So I'm going to give you a gift. Because I was going to have a woman give you a kiss, but I realized nobody in the world would touch your lips so you can kiss the ring. So he hits him with the old, uh, what is it called? The diamond something? Dynamite, diamond battle royal ring. Something, something. like that. I and do like the whole, the ring shtick is, is good to me. I do enjoy all of that. When he has Wardlow put it on his finger, that's yeah. all That's all good heel shtick to me. And uh, hits him with the ring. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, of course, come out to save Marco. 
building, obviously, to the MJF Jungle Boy match that we're going to get on Saturday. Next up was the Jake and Arn promo battle. I don't really want to run down everything uh, that was said here because it was largely uh, about God knows what. See, I, I understand the idea. You know, uh, a guy like Tony or Cody who are like, oh, huge Arn and Jake fans, like they've never had a match together. We can get as close as possible and have them build this together. They're both great on the mic in their day. Makes all the sense in the world they could build this now. Uh, but they're not young men anymore, and Jake just talks about whatever the fuck comes to mind, and half the time it doesn't make sense. He, like, <laughs> challenged Arn to a match here. <laughs> like, why? He's wasting everybody's time. Uh, Arn, like, tried to keep it on topic and like was like, okay, we're going to put over that. Mike Tyson's involved. That's a big deal, you know. Uh, but it just it felt very – all feels very put on and, you know uh, – just don't, I, you know, I don't get what Jake's trying to do in any given moment. And like the way it was like set up with like the table and all of that, where like there was a eight, 10 foot table in the middle of the ring with like Tony Schiavone there, like standing awkwardly going, well, this is happening right now. And you're just like, oh, Tony, you're, you're, you're in the middle of this. And like Arn, it, like you could tell like Arn was like, okay, I'm going to try to make sure we talk about these things in this promo. But, I mean, that just lets Jake just go off on a tangent that's loosely connected to Mike Tyson about the match and about how he wants to, like, fight Arn Anderson. Like, just was a very weird segment. Yeah, you could feel, like, Arn was also like, don't interrupt me. Like, no, seriously, I, I know you're going to interrupt me and say some stupid shit. Like, don't. Right, yeah, this this didn't... It just didn't accomplish anything. I mean, other than... The only thing it accomplished was letting us know that Mike Tyson is allegedly going to have free reign during this match. It can go anywhere he wants. <laughs> so like that's at least interesting on some level. Uh, but it's a real bummer for me. I've obviously defended Jake a lot on the show and uh, there's just no way to defend this segment. He He's just not interested in focusing on telling the story. He's interested in, he's like the, the guitar player who wants to solo all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's just yeah, like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do my shit here now. No, fucking play the chord changes. Right. And he doesn't want to. He he, he will not play rhythm guitar ever. So they're not going to be able to use him in these, these live promos. I think he's effective when they edit it well in the yeah. video promos because he's he's got that gravitas and he's got that, the thing that he's always had that makes you listen to him when he talks. But in this uh, in this scenario, it just it doesn't really work. And it's just a bad way I don't understand. I don't understand the story of this match at this point. I mean, I said you take out all these promos and you have right. a good story between like two got one guy who's running through someone's family to get to a title and the other guy who believes he has to win the title. It's just these two promos. The the Jake Roberts promos, if anything, muddle the angle. Yeah, it Jake had a problem with Cody for some reason, didn't respect him, uh wanted his attention. Cody ignored him. So he had Lance kill the whole family and he talked a bunch of shit about his wife uh, and continues to do so. Uh, Aaron um, was like, hey, Mike Tyson's going to be there. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I, as you all have said, like and, that's, yeah, but, that's yeah. an angle. That's a story that makes sense. But it also. But, would, yeah. Boy, Jake, actually, the content of what Jake actually said had, you know, uh, he called, you know, Brandy a floozy or something. I don't know. Other than that, it's totally unrelated. We also like, I mean, Cody is really missing from this angle. 
completely from the whole story of this match. Like, you know, he's seeing his family, uh, everybody around him has been destroyed in one way or another by Jake and Lance Archer. And he's coming off several losses in a row. Like, I think there's an easy story to tell about his vulnerability and being concerned that this monster who's killed everyone is going to kill him. And uh, we, we just haven't seen that. Yeah. And to top this all off saying like, where's Cody? Here's what Cody has done over the last three weeks since they've been back in Jacksonville. He had a match with Joey Janela. He, th- then they had the attack on Burnity Rhodes that Britt did and we got the snake on her. Then we had the Jake Roberts promo where Cody drove in, drives in. We have not seen Cody on TV since he drove since that one angle. Well, that was last two weeks week. ago, right? So yeah, he wasn't on, on TV the thirteenth. Yeah, and he wasn't on yeah, TV this week. But he wasn't on the Go Home Show for like yeah. one of the biggest yeah, well, matches. That's, on that's the, the show. same thing he did in the MJF feud, right? Is he wasn't on the Go Home for the MJF feud, if I recall correctly? Uh, and then he went out in the MJF, you know, blood feud match and tried to pin him in the first five minutes. If he does that in this Lance Archer match, uh, then you know, I'm I'm gonna call it that the tattoo, you know, ruined him and he's done. Oh, does he get the does he get the ace tunnel removed from him? Does he no longer get the ace entrance at that point? Yeah, yeah, loses the ace entrance. Um, you have to give the ace entrance to, I guess Moxley. Yeah, or you know, Hangman. I mean, at this point, the Cody Darby story is more interesting than the the Cody Lance Archer story. I mean, that's been more built up over the last three weeks than Cody and (laughs) Archer. I mean, they've done the segments to do the build for the Lance Archer thing. It just, you know, they uh, get too far afield. What did really amuse me was uh, we were talking about busted open radio. Uh, it was Bully Ray, you know, tweeted, oh, this is what it's all about. This is pro wrestling. Get two legends, Shake and Arn, no scripts, just out there bouncing off each other or whatever. It's like, dude, it, it wasn't good. <laughs> well, it's just like anytime they hand Bully Ray a mic now, you know. So, yeah, of course, he thought this shit was good. Yeah, if you're popping Bully Ray, you're doing something wrong. Right. We got the uh, Darby video next. He was playing cards with guys in masks, of course, as he does. And they're all guys from the ladder match. Uh, and then he climbs to the top of a ladder and sets himself on fire. So effective video. Good. Darby. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Darby's saying, like, I will kill myself in this match if I have to. Yeah. So I got you the could. point. Thank you, Darby. You need to give let Darby fucking book. Goddamn. <laughs> give Darby the pencil. I mean, Darby wants to make his movie. And each time I see like these things, I'm more interested in what Darby's movie is going to be. <laughs> I love that uh Scorpio Sky on Twitter is like, hey, don't use my face on a mask in your videos. Sure. Oh, okay. All right. That's a that's a hot personal issue. <laughs> At least that's like I don't know. That oh, that makes more sense than Kip on a ladder. Yeah, 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 no. I mean, Scorpio at least had a point there. Hey, why you have me in your video? We're gonna have a match that makes me angry. Well, if it's gonna, if they're supposed to be sports based, like athletes all the time are just like di- feel disrespected by the yeah, dumbest like, shit. You why know? you take my name out of your mouth, dude? Like, <laughs> right? why are you talking about me at all? Fuck you. <laughs> right. I mean, F one is a sport that's entirely based on personal slights, so right. it, it makes sense that this would happen. Well, I mean, apparently, I did. I I gave up on the last dance, but apparently. Michael Jordan's entire career was based on just perceived personal slights. So you can do it. Then we had a pack video. Honestly, I could not hear a lot of the beginning. I could not understand what he was saying at a lot of the beginning of this video, but I now, did pick up. No, is that because it, we, we aren't used to hearing from pack for like a month and a half? And now you're like, oh, wait, I need like take a second and <laughs> understand what he's saying. Yeah, get used to that exit. But I did hear him say 
Orange Cassidy, you cocky little prick. Maybe tonight you'll finally get over yourself. Uh, Ray Phoenix is an assassin, and he's going to send you to your maker. And then he burned a picture, which, you know, did that right after Darby. You got to chill out with the fire. Right. Again, it's like a, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page thing. But yeah, great. I love this uh, aesthetic that they've kept consistent with the pack promos there where, you know, he intercut with him like screaming and you see primal pack like, you know, within the cold calculating pack who's cutting the promo. That stuff's all great. So I like this and I like that he's still, you know, if they have an issue with Orange Cassidy now, you know, going back to his match with All Out, he's like, nah, this, this guy fucking pisses me off. He's uh, contrary to what I like in pro wrestling. Next up was uh, Phoenix defeating Orange Cassidy, which we've talked about at length. Uh, Phoenix hit a cutter after Kip Sabian came out and sat on the ladder, which, of course, is uh, the most distracting thing that could happen. If you're going to do Kip as a distraction, at least bring out the ratings draw, Penelope, to pop a quarter hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. After the match, SCU came out, pushed Kip off the ladder. Jimmy Havoc's in. They're all fighting. Everybody does a dive. Several people almost uh, die. Yeah, that it seems like that uh, it F- Phoenix is supposed to be okay, but he did not land very good, and that's a guy who's taken some bad dives in his time, and that was one of the worst spot dive catches I've seen. Uh, to steal an idea from friend of the show Patrick Cosmos uh, in the in the Discord last night, he posted like the uh, the Predator handshake meme. It was all these dives, Lance Archer, and then the handshake was everybody dies. <laughs> Very funny. Okay. This was uh, the women's match, the women's match on the show. That's a, I didn't ro- realize Patrick Cosmos was in the Discord. It's a pretty high cloud Discord we got. That's right, there. baby. Trying to drop yeah. that in there. So everybody knows the kind of the quality you can get in the Everything Elite Discord. Does, does Wikiface hang out in there? Because that would make it fucking, you know, the high level Twitter Slack kind of stuff. He, uh, Wikiface has not appeared yet, but I may have to lean on him soon to get him to uh, make an appearance. Yeah, you know, that'll give the fans a chat to, to give the Wikiface fans a chance to chat with him. You know, the, the, that's going to drive uh, some patron subscriptions. Wow, that's uh, that's quite an idea. Adam, if you're listening, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to leave it in your hands. You know, if you're listening, just shoot me a DM and uh, we'll, we'll make something happen. Nyla Rose and Britt Baker defeated Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Nyla pinned Shida with the Beast Bomb. Um, I don't, what do you guys want to talk about before I complain about this? Uh, anyone who blames Nyla on what happened with Britt, that was uh, Britt's fault. Like, I've seen people do the Cannonball Centon for 15 years now, and I know Kevin Steen talked about on the Kevin Steen show that like people like he warns people like this move sucks, and he said people say, like, Yeah, I won't do the move, but it's never like blowing out someone's knee that way. Naruki Doi has done that some. That somersault uh, cannonball for 15 years, and other than like the same thing that Owen, that Kevin Steen slash Owen said, you know, she got her leg up, and sadly, you know, that happened. I mean, it sucks that 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 she got hurt, like incredibly so. And, and if that changed the finish on the fly, then you know that at least justifies things slightly. Because Bentley, I was well, pitching it to you. Well, look, if they changed it on the fly, they had fucking Chris Statlander right there to take the pin. So. Now, I know it's kind of hard to figure out as you're going. Yeah, live TV, you know, she is not a native English speaker. I'm, I'm, I'm going to even pass on it. But, yeah, I think uh, Britt was getting an MRI done. Sounds like it could be bad and not likely for the pay-per-view. So that stinks, man. 
on the on the chance that this was the planned finish, it's just dumb as fuck. I mean, they have to stop pinning the champion to uh I'm sorry. They have to stop doing things where you're going to pin the challenger like with your finish in advance of the pay-per-view match. Yeah, why that- would I why would I watch the match? Yeah, and it's like, okay, they justified the match between Riho and Emi Sakura the same way that they announced the match, then Emi Sakura panned Riho. Then why is there a match other than there's a title at stake at this point? Like, this one's even dumber. Like, this should send Sheeta down the rankings, and then who would be the next person up there if, if the rankings are supposed to be sacrosanct? Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, it was a tag match. So, you know, theoretically a different division. Uh, and also, you know, because Britt was injured, it's theoretically a two on one tag match. So you kind of give Sheeta an out that way, right? It's like, oh no, she wasn't her partner, was she? No, <laughs> she Nyla Rose Pender two on one on two. Yeah, no, you're right. Forget I said anything. Yeah, and it's like the reason I have a hard time believing that it's a. Well, I don't know. the The post match then is also weird because it's like Sheeta puts Nyla through the table, which I appreciate. That's a good way to build this. Of like, all right, they're going to do this. No DQ, no count out, and so Sheeta does that, but. She had maybe that does say that it was a, a on the fly finish because she had to get up from the finish from the champion and then be able to do this. So I don't know. I just hate it. I'm just mad about it. I'm just going to be mad. I'll probably die mad about the AEW women's <laughs> division. <laughs> if, if somehow I outlive you, I'll say uh, it when someone asks, they want to give any words at like your service. It'd be like Aaron was driven mad by the AEW women's division and he stayed mad. Yeah. You know what? I'll say it. I'll say that in that voice too. Okay. Thank you. I I mean, let's be honest. I'm gonna die mad about something, so it might as well be this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might as well just get it out of the way, figure out what you're gonna be dying mad about. That's right. Here was uh John Moxley with Marvez cutting the promo that, that Mike talked about earlier, and that led into Sean Spears news, folks. Um well let me go through this and then I, I got more Patrick Cosmos content for oh, the pod. Shit. He's, he's suggested a segment for this part, okay. so I'm going to go to it after this. Uh, Sean says, after a mediocre mediocre career spanning three decades, Dustin Rhodes has decided to retire. The, the, the gimmick here, if you weren't watching, is he's, he's sat at a news table and it's like CNN or the Randy News Network, if you watched WWE when they did this same segment. So he says, you know, congrats, Cody, that your brother retired since that, that's what you've always wanted. Back to Dustin, it's never easy to admit you're done. It's hard to swallow. And then he says, but as I understand it, 12 years ago, swallowing pills wasn't that hard for you. Uh, That's where the crowd goes, whoa, he's shooting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then he said, I don't have a match on Saturday. Maybe I should just go into business for myself. It was very funny to to fucking diss a guy over his his personal story. It was 12 years ago. It's like, oh, yeah. uh, But you're still (laughs) mad about that thing from three decades ago. (laughs) Fucking owned. So since he's mad that he doesn't have a match on Saturday, he says he just challenges Dustin to a match. And he says, now the people expect the match. So AEW has to book and promote the match, uh, which this was at least like vaguely clever, the last part. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's Sean Spears, man. So yeah. I have my, I have my, I have Sean Spears figured out. I've, okay. I've figured oh. out what Sean Spears is. I, you know, I kind of like the, you know, I, I discussed in the previous show that I liked to see he has an eternal feud with Cody, right? And that's going to oh, yeah. last with him forever. So I, I like him escalating, getting this way. You know, the little news network bit is fine. 
you know, <laughs> just like making fun of Dustin. He's like, oh, I'm going to turn this into my match now. This is my program. So I kind of like that. And really, I kind of like the way that he's done his little segments and his uh, previous feuds and stuff. And, you know, the stuff he brought to the table with the little ringside gambling and all that shit. I like all these sort of ideas, but I don't think his performance brings anything to them. His performance <laughs> is like total total replacement player, right? It's like his he's not adding any value to the to the actual idea. So you know he's out there, he's he's swinging in the right direction all the time, but he can't swing very hard. So that uh, that's my that's my Sean Sears Spears just conception now. If he was writing ideas for somebody else who had like fire and you know some human element that people can latch onto. And like not just studied FCW smarm or whatever the fuck. I think it, it, it <laughs> yeah. could it could hit. It could hit for somebody. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh this might be like the first time I've enjoyed Sean Spears since he tried to play baseball with Cody's head. Uh I like the idea that, as Nate said, he has this slight that's never gonna go away. I'm someone who loves someone who constantly has an axe to grind. He, you have this match that like it it's good filler for this kind of show. I mean, this is going to just be there. And the cool thing about this is if they want to really tie things back, uh, you could, after this match have QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes against Sean Spears. When Sean Spears finally figures out who his tag team partner is and you can just keep on that way. But yeah, like I like the, the concept of this. And I thought that like the production of this for these kind of things, which other companies have done and have come off as really just, uh, cheesy and cringe this was not that bad but yeah no he's a guy who has like the perfect swing but has no power behind it so you he connects you're like oh that's gonna go out of the park and it just becomes like a just a line drive single like that's what it, that, that's sean spears like he the concept is there but the execution and the follow through is never going to be so here's the the patrick cosmos bit if you all are ready uh mike already knows so i'll just ask nate nate predict wait Actually, Jesus. No, it, or did Oatgan actually suggest this? Oh, and, I've, yes. and I've just pissed all over Oatgan and given it to uh, Patrick Cosmos. I don't know, but one of them suggested it. And now I'm going to do it regardless because no one listening to this cares who suggested the idea. So please, Nate, predict who will be the first AEW roster member to call Sean Spears fake news. Um. Hmm, 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 hmm. Okay, it was Oatgan. I'm so sorry, Oatgan. <laughs> you fucked up. I you did. fucked up. Well, does Jim Ross count? Yeah, he just asked the first person in AEW. Okay, uh, not necessarily a roster member. Yeah, Jim Ross. That's fair. He's like the most MAGA person who also is on a mic regularly. He's he's the closest to a MAGA person who's a babyface, I think. Ah, uh, what? Right, because he mean, he would have to be criticizing Sean Spears in order to do it, so it have to be a babyface. I mean, Tony Schiavone's probably a Trump guy, right? I don't know. No, I wouldn't make that assumption. You know, well, I guess uh, demographically, yeah. yes. Well, I guess we would assume old that. white guy from Georgia. <laughs> But, you know, also a guy who went to, to Starbucks because he needed health care and benefits. Okay, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, I, I'm sorry for putting that on uh, on Tony Schiavone. I was wrong. I'm not apologizing anymore on this 
podcast ever again. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Till the next time I say something fucked up. Uh, this is uh, where we got a little video of Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. They're they're recapping uh, their previous interactions. And Sammy says, he tried to kill me with a golf cart. That's attempted murder. And I was trying to write it out. And every time I would try to write what he said, it didn't seem very funny to me. But the way he delivered it was very funny. Like, it really worked. See, now he's an above replacement level performer. Like I he is. About. Yeah, he's he's the anti-Sean Spears. Like, he's going to take whatever idea there is and make it twice as good. Yeah, basically, the point of this video was just both of them trying to show their motivations of going into hating uh, the other group, which is like, you know, how you build a pro wrestling match. So then we got Matt Hardy defeating Sammy Guevara with the twist of fate. He did hit a number of those. Uh, so as Nate mentioned earlier, there's a little protection for Sammy Guevara. And then after the match, uh, Matt Hardy was about to hit Sammy with a chair. But then on the screen, we saw the inner circle with Omega holding him against the goalpost, hitting him with a bat. Uh, the Bucks appeared, jumped in. They got their masks on. Uh, they even the odds. Matt Hardy finally makes his way out to the football field. And then Hangman Adam Page runs in, lays some guys out. Uh, Inner circle runs off. Hangman walks away on his own. Why did the, did the Bucks have the bass on just to sell them? Was that just a, that just a marketing? Because I mean, they took them off very quickly. Yeah. At the end of the day, they probably, there was a, a video on Twitter where I think Matt started a promo through the mask and then took it down. I think they're gonna be selling that. I mean, these are guys who, you know, brought their new T-shirts out after a beatdown angle in PWG and sold them in the middle of the ring with all the dead bodies lying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's only appropriate that – I mean, there are masks that they have for sale. Like, they there are AEW face masks now, so, you know. That, actually, though, Nate, that kicked ass. That was great when they did oh, that. Oh, absolutely. PWG. <laughs> they're, they're uh, you know. What a worker. Craven, uh, yeah. Craven marketing schemes was like half their appeal, for sure. Yeah. Well, if you want to share ideas about AEW with luminaries like Patrick Cosmos and Oakgan and Mike and myself, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash everything elite gets you access to our discord. we got the discord uh, patron only because it on, it just adds to the, uh, the quality of the discussion. So it's nobody coming in and saying stupid shit and running off and no trolling. I mean, it's just, uh, it's fun. Maybe we'll get Nate to join it one day. I mean, you have to get rid of the no trolling rule. No, you can troll. I mean, you're a, okay. you'll be an admin. You can troll all you want. <laughs> Noted. Uh, so that's one option or one thing that you get with our Discord. And Mike and I hang out in there during Dark and Dynamite and do voice chat, live chat, answer questions, and just generally uh, act like dumbasses. So it's a lot of fun. Uh this week on the Patreon, we did a Double or Nothing retrospective. So we looked back at the 2019 Double or Nothing, the first AW pay-per-view, and kind of looked at how things have gone for everybody since then. And at the end, we made some predictions of what we think will happen over the next year of AW. Of course, we had our AW Light Show where Mike and I preview Dynamite, and we talk about AW Dark, and Nate gives us the rundown of all the big vlogs that have been happening around the vlog world. Well, m- minimum one vlog. Yeah, I, I'm not promising all the big vlogs every week. <laughs> it, it's a Nate's at choice. least one vlog. It's Nate's choice. Yes. So you. I get did at least my one my vlog. most recent one came to the conclusion that Adam Page is at least 
uh, more responsible than the Unabomber. So, <laughs> I mean, you're not Check wrong. that out. You are wrong. And next week we will have, of course, our double or nothing instant reaction and murder Brian. Brian Quimby of Street Fight Radio will be joining us for that. So, you know, there's plenty of time to sign up. And even though you're signing up at the end of the month, you'll get not only all of May's content, but every piece of content that we've ever created up until now for your uh, whatever tier that you decide to jump in on. So come join us next month. We got plenty of fun stuff planned, including a look back at last year's Fighter Fest. And I'm working on something special with someone that we've already talked about on this show. Dot, dot, dot. Patreon.com slash everything elite. <laughs> I mean, we also eventually are going to fantasy book a four week arc on dark. On yes. We're also going to do that. And uh, my lost on the mountain, Smoky mountain wrestling series. I'll have episode two up during June. Okay. Now let's preview this Saturday's double or nothing. Uh, uh, I'm going to start at the bottom actually. So the buy-in match Best friends versus private party. Does anybody have any thoughts about that match? Best friends. Uh, I haven't seen be- private party in a long time. That's because you're not watching AW Dark, buddy. Oh, have <laughs> <laughs> been on it like two weeks in a row or two out of three weeks or something. Well, uh, I haven't seen private party in a long time, so that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best friends have basically been on a tear, and this is supposed to be number one contendership. They should be number one contenders. It'll be cool. I think this is a match that for like private party. These are the kind of guys that I think that we could see like another special match like they had against the Young Bucks in the tag team tournament. Need Trent to cry in this match, I think. That's my take. He gets named number one contender. Winner becomes number one contender. He gets his next title shot and he breaks down in the ring. We uh, do predictions? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Best friends win. Best friends. Best friends. I'm in. Next up, we have one of the hottest built matches on the card: Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> I mean, I, how dead is Sean Spears if Dustin Rhodes beats him here? Makes his big comeback after getting <laughs> brutalized and left bloody by Lance Archer, and you know, just has his way with Sean Spears after Sean Spears has been calling him and the Rhodes family out for X many weeks. Yeah, like. But if Dustin wins, then we could get like a natural nightmares versus Sean Spears trying out tag team partners feud. I think I think Dustin should win. I I haven't been like <laughs> I just, Sean Spears is in the Jimmy Havoc zone uh, for me. Where the more he loses, the more I'm interested in him. <laughs> That's fair. That's just fair. getting increasingly desperate. Yeah. What do you think, AB? I. I just think the funniest thing that could happen is for Dustin to beat him. So I just assume that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Dustin, wins. I want to see really, really desperate Sean Spears just completely <laughs> losing after it. Loss. Yeah, absolutely. Just like gambling more and more. Like he has to have like <laughs> some sort of action that he can win in. Uh, now the next one is Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. I'm assuming this is not going to happen. It looks like Britt is pretty seriously injured. Yeah. So. I don't know, but let's let's pretend for a second that it's going to happen and she's healthy. Uh, I I assume Britt would have gotten the win. They, you know, she's on a upward trajectory, and Chris is kind of stalling out. I would say, or kind of, you know, everything that happened with the Beyond thing and then uh, COVID, I think, really stalled out any progress she could have made. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's correct. Maybe I mean, is there somebody else they can plug in here? Do they do? Big no, they probably plug in multiple people, right? 
Chris <laughs> yeah, versus Penelope sure. versus whoever. Well, I had Big Swole was there, which was a surprise to me. So they could have her Sweet. there. Uh, Anna J. I mean, she's in the crowd and hasn't done anything really since then. Uh, well, uh, something to look out for, I think, is uh, Priscilla Kelly. I mean, they they she's she been posted, there, and she posted the video that Cody retweeted with the with the eyeball with the eyeballs. So mm. I don't know. Maybe it's that. That's a thing that's so interesting right now. Is if you're going to debut people, how do you do it? Does it right. make sense to debut people now? It's like we got the revival. Where are they? Or if they're going to come to AEW, how do you uh, have them show up? And I guess the same thing with Priscilla Kelly, but. I guess if you're going to have Priscilla on this show, it would make more sense for her to come out after the Nyla Sheeta match and do something. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's legit conundrum about one. If I think it's fair to assume that Britt's not going to be in this match, who do you put in there? And then two, if Priscilla Kelly's in the wings, this isn't unless she's going to like win and like decisively take out Chris Statlander as like the surprise entrant. I don't know how you debut her on the show. Because I think her just her coming out after a match is, wouldn't be very effective. Well, you know, it's not like for the, for the revival, like you're losing something because there's not going to be the crowd there to do a big reaction to their debut. For Priscilla, she's been there a few times. She's not, you know, coming from the other promotion. So I don't really think it matters. Like it doesn't matter so much how you debut or as what you do with her. Uh, Sir? That would be a big jump from Evolve to AEW. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh went to but I don't know if I went to you with the No, I think I went with O to an Evolve show. No. Blank. Uh and Priscilla came out and stepped on the ring steps and her heel got stuck in the little holes on the ring steps. So she was like stuck. Anyway, that's my those are my memories of Priscilla and Evolve was her heel got stuck in the ring steps. I don't know if she was at the show that you and I and Blank were at. I feel like she wasn't. The progress evolve double shot. Mm-hmm. Nobody shat their pants or passed out. Well, nobody was there for the evolve one to sh- to shit their pants. No, no. Uh, Jungle Boy versus MJF. So I think this is an interesting one because MJF is someone that is like tailor made to be anyone's foil in this company. And I think he's been pretty. I think he's been pretty effective as a foil for Jungle Boy, to be honest. And it's just like Jungle Boy is. As soon as he like starts like actually picking up wins, you kind of need to like build on that momentum here. And I don't know if there's really a way unless Jungle Boy somehow wins the TNT Number One Contender Battle Royal next week that to justify having Jungle Boy beat MJF. So I think it has to be MJF. Well, Dave thinks they should do. The big upset with Jungle Boy getting the upset here. Um, I think that's kind of just overthinking it. I think uh, MJF, you've kept strong after his you know big turn and win over Cody. I think they should just continue to book him strongly until they're really going to do something with him. Um, I think this, this will probably be sneaky good, though. I think both these guys have kind of become sneaky good workers. Jungle Boy's started to get a little yoked, too. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting, I feel like. Because, yeah, like this is a match where I could see this being anywhere from being just fine to sneaky great. And I think that's something that on this show, having a couple surprising sneaky good matches might make people more enthusiastic about it in retrospect. 
I wouldn't be shocked if MJF is the next challenger for Mox. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, so, I think that's what they were going to do in this spot. Mm-hmm. Or that's what I was convinced they were going to do. But, you know, obviously I've, everything changed. Yeah, right. but you can put it off three months. Maybe you can have at least a small crowd for for that show. Yeah. And, you know, and, might work out. And MJF is going to be Teflon when he, if he loses the mocks, you know, I mean, like that's not going to be a loss. That's going to take, lose his heat. A loss against jungle boy arguably could lose MJF's heat a little bit. And I think that with someone like MJF, that the true money of MJF is going to be down the line against Wardlow. I think that you want to kind of keep him looking at a certain level. And at this point, losing to jungle boy would hurt that. Yeah. I mean, Jung, it's nowhere near time for Jungle Boy to get a big push. Who cares if Jungle Boy loses in 2020? Next up, the casino ladder match for an AEW title shot. We've got Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and a mystery entrant. So we got to start by predicting the mystery entrant. Well, so the candidates, obviously there have been a bunch of WWE releases. Um, but we think that the people that were on the main roster would be under non-competes. You can see like Carl Anderson tweeting like, oh, yeah, our non-compete is up this date in July. That's when we're going to, you know, start talking shit or whatever. Um, the people that were on the NXT level would be free and clear earlier than that. Uh, uh, presumably be by the end of May, though not necessarily by this Saturday. So... I mean, I would like to see Leo Rush in this spot. I, I guess I don't know what level he'd be considered at because he was on Raw for a time as a manager. He was on 205 Live, which was like tours with the main brands. I think most recently he was just an NXT, but that's, you know, picking up things secondhand. Yeah, I mean, like Leo, I think is the person that could excel in this. The person that I know is free and clear, and I think this is and this could be like the right step forward for him. And he would be a dynamic enough of a star. And I think he could do well in this kind of match. And I think he'd be do well in this kind of motion is Ricky Starks. I know that that's, that, that that's someone that a lot of people, I feel voices of wrestling is high on, but I think Ricky Starks has a certain element that could really add to it. He is a different style. He's a different side of charisma. I think that'd be really cool. So the, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty high on Ricky Starks. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I, I think Lanza said that he was out of his NWA contract now. He's a guy who's been doing a bunch of YouTube stuff, especially with Sammy Guevara. Those guys are obviously boys. Um, and yeah, he would fit the mold of this promotion in that he's basically someone who went and shot his own videos and kind of made for a name and made a name for himself that way. But is also like a engaging and charismatic performer, even on the independent level. So. Yeah, yeah, I would say definitely a candidate, although maybe not maybe not a candidate that you advertise as a surprise. Again, that's sort of a managing expectations thing. People are like, oh, I want to see who the who the surprise is. I, you know, it's gonna be fucking EC3, it's gonna be uh Carl Anderson. It's gonna you know, and these are former WWE watchers, and they go, I don't know who Ricky Starks is. Now I'm disappointed, even though he's a good wrestler. And we haven't mentioned Brian Cage yet, who I think is a, is an option. I don't know what his injury status is, but all indications were that he was coming into AEW before he got hurt. So I think that's a possibility. Um, now, on the 90-day thing, my understanding has always been that's an optional thing. You can decide yeah. whether to take the 90 days of pay. Me too. 
but hard to keep straight. But yeah, that was, you know, I, that it, it may also be a thing that, you know, uh, 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 equitably they should be able to work because the non-compete, if they choose not to take it, would not be strictly legal. But, you know, if they're going to try and compel you to do that, who's going to take the challenge and, uh, you know, take the ire of Jerry McDevitt or whatever. Uh, I think Brian Cage is hashtag actually good. So I wouldn't be disappointed to see Brian Cage in this spot really either. And he'd be cool in a ladder match setting because he's really big. I honestly expect this to be a, uh, a what was that? a flat surprise. I, it, you know, I was thinking, was it on double or nothing or on the retrospective where I talked about this or it was, I don't know. It was on one of the billion podcasts that we do per week. And, you know, Adam page was the last surprise entrant in an AW match. So I don't think friend of the show, Robert is off too far to think it could be Christopher Daniels. And they're playing up this uh, SCU dissension with, with Christopher Daniels. Uh, because, you know, the the tweet where he said he was 100% behind Kazarian and Tony Khan pipes in to say, oh, so 0% for Scorpio Sky? And, you know, Daniel... I don't, I don't think that's anything. Could I be something. I don't think that's... Wow, you're just I, gonna, think, I think if that was anything, then Tony Khan wouldn't have responded to do like a little banter about it. You're going to doubt friend of the show, Rover? Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just am. I'm not, I'm not going to make a bit out of that. <laughs> I don't I just I'm trying to think of like the least exciting thing it could be. And it's somebody who's already on the roster, which is what my uh, prediction is. That said, who wins the match? Mm-hmm. And, and you got to think well, who's going to get a title shot. Now, it could be just be on dynamite. So it doesn't have to be a pay-per-view level challenger. Yeah, like that's the question that I've had. They've not been clear about what kind of title shot this is. Is this a okay? You could you could cash in. Like, is this a cash in shot? Like, money in the bank or the DDT anytime anywhere risk gauntlets, or is God, this like, or is this going to be like, hey, like the G one briefcase? You if you hold this match, you get to set your title match for this date because that I, changes yeah, things. It can't be anytime anywhere because they would have said that for sure. Yeah, I don't think I, they can just decide that after the fact. Because like when I like, looked at this. And like people like making a shot for this here. Like there's only two people that I feel like in this match really you could do this with, and that's Darby or Phoenix. Or unless the debuty unless the, the person who's debuting, they're pushing to the moon to start with. Just like yeah, looking mean, at people. Uh, you know, if there was a live crowd for this and Orange Cassidy won, the live crowd would go absolutely yeah. shit. But there isn't one. But you could, you know, you could see doing Orange Cassidy versus Moxley on Raw to have try try and see if there's a big main event and see if that really gets all those viewers that we think Orange Cassidy draws. That would be an experiment they could do. Yeah, um, and, and and that wouldn't be giving up a, a match that could draw down the road. Yeah. I don't, I don't doesn't feel like the right way for Darby to get a, another title shot to me. I seems, just, seems like a shortcut. Seems like this should be a shortcut, non-serious title challenge. I'm, I'm going to throw out, um, I guess, Luchasaurus. Okay. Maybe... Because it, it maybe legitimizes him a little bit, gives him some juice because he hasn't been around. And you can just have Moxley beat him on TV and it doesn't matter. To me, there's one heel in this match and it's Phoenix, and that's who's going to win. Yeah, I mean, I think Phoenix is going to win as well. And then you can do Phoenix versus Mox on Dynamite. That's a fun match. That's, that, a, that's a pretty interesting match. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And Phoenix doesn't lose anything by losing. So 
Yeah, and I mean, if it's to a point where you're going to have crowds soon, and it sounds like Cody thinks they're going to announce the dates for the shows that they missed, Phoenix is someone that could sell tickets. You know, and, and the match that they did leading into this was Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he and, also died in that. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, Phoenix has been someone who's walked wounded before and has like done. This oh yeah. Thing. <laughs> I mean, we saw <clears throat> fucking before All In. How many nasty bumps did they take in that match against Mexa Blood, and then go and you know work two straight dates at <laughs> AEW before going out at All In, where he was what in the main event? Right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, like, there's. I, I of the injuries, he's probably the person I'd be a little bit be like the the least worried about because he's he, he works through that kind of stuff. But yeah, least worried about in the short term, most worried about in the long term. Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. Quality of life in twenty years, Phoenix is the one I'm gonna be worried about. Also, if they want this to be like a title shot down the road, and especially for when like a bigger event, Phoenix is the guy that I feel like you could put on top for a pay per view, and it wouldn't be a bullshit thing. And yeah, I don't think it would be a bad position too. No, I would like him to see him in that picture. So right. yeah, let's let's I'll, I'll change my answer to Phoenix. All right, we're all on the Phoenix train. I like I'm a that. man of logic, and Nate is a man of logic, and he saw through my logic here. Like that's how it works. The uh, Stadium Stampede is up next. Inner Circle versus Elite. We have no idea what the rules are for this well, match. There's We're a not- ring at the 50 yard line. That's what we know. Yeah, so I I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I have no clue. I have no idea either, but this should not be the end of Inner Circle and the Elite. No, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, this is uh, maybe uh, the most interesting (laughs) thing, just because we have really no idea. Um, I hope it, you know, kind of resembles the uh, fucking street fight from two weeks ago. Yeah. Golf cart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I hope they get, they do the, you know, this is. They shouldn't have fans there. They shouldn't have people standing directly on top of each other there. But that match was helped a lot because the entire roster and everybody in the building followed it around and made noise as people were getting hit by a golf cart. If they go back into the sealed vacuum of the stadium again here, then it's going to seem weird. Chris Jericho should enter in a helicopter. Oh, yeah. Like old school Ric Flair entering a helicopter. Yeah, that would be sick. But yeah, I think Inner Circle should win this. I think that the final has to be the blood and guts match. And you have, you can't blow off this food feud without Cody and Jericho being one-on-one again. Like you have to have that. So. Oh yeah. You can't yeah. blow off the feud without Cody's involvement. Right. In, inner, inner circle wins here. Um, pins, Matt Hardy. Uh, and then Adam page walks off and they all get mad at him. And then he's joined by FTR and he, they lay out the elite together. Is their new weird oh. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I like that. You're there shooting you your shot here. I appreciate it. It it would really, you know, I would really appreciate the logic if, you know, you get this big open place, right? And yeah. that allows the inner circle to win. So the elite proposes oh. the blood and guts match because it needs to be closed in so we can just get our our shot. Proposes the, the match they already agreed to and we're in fact building to, but now it finally makes sense in context yes. instead of being announced during a random ass ad break. Absolutely. So you, you love to see how uh, COVID solves some wrestling logic problems. The TNT title, Cody versus Lance Archer. And I just, I've gone back and forth uh, just constantly about how I think this is going to end up. I think it's mainly... I'm just afraid that Cody's going to win this thing, and I think that's the wrong i that's the wrong way to go. 
I mean, Cody has lost basically all of his big feuds, right? Yep. He does need to win at some point, I think, but I don't really want it to be this. I want Lance Archer to win this. I just think that's more. You have a baby face on top with your world title. Let this be a heel holding this thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And let let the Lance Archer thing play out, whether it's going to work, whether he can be a main event level player in, uh, in this promotion. I think he can be. So let's try and see what happens. But they're going to have to figure out the Jake Roberts stuff. Yeah. Because uh, now they may think it's working, but I, <laughs> I mean, depending on how do. much time they give them, I think they probably do think it's working. I mean, Lance Archer has a ton of presence and intensity. Mm-hmm. Like, just, you know, he can win the belt and then he can destroy Jake and be like, you know, you were a means to an end. You got me to this spot. Now I'm, you know, going to everybody dies from here on out by myself. And then maybe that even makes him a little more of a heel. Yeah. And the other thing about like Lance Archer is where do you go for Lance Archer if he loses this match? Like the, the sole motivation for him being in like this company was to go up against Cody. And then they had a title that they soon to be fought fighting over. Cody defeats him. What he's already like murdered all of his family and friends. Like what is their next? Unless Lance Archer is going to go up to, to like Matt Jackson and like throw him off the roof of TIA field. Like there's not, there's not a lot for Lance Archer to really do if he's not champion. I feel like unless he's going to like become like another Moxley opponent after this, but then you're losing your way to a title world title shot. That's really lame. What is this new Japan pro wrestling? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the, the problem (laughs) of what you do next with people, it can be applied to everyone up and down the roster. So that's kind of, Everybody has to find something to do next or nobody, you know, everybody leaves after their first story. So it's a larger problem if they can't figure out something for him to do if he loses. Yeah, but it does seem like he kind of floats into the mid card rather than uh, this this shot at making him a star. I think that's fair. And, yeah, you know, let him ride the momentum and get a real chance at being an established guy in the West, I think, is a, a good thing to do. And. His performance, you know, that fucking match with Colt was really good. You know, uh, was convincing in his beat down of Dustin and stuff. His squash against Marco was fantastic. Like, he has the tools. So, yeah, I, I agree that they should, you know, see how far they can push it. Women's world title, no disqualification, no countouts. Nyla Rose, the champion, takes on Hikaru Shida. I just don't think this is the time for Nyla to lose the title. No, and I, I'm a little worried that they're going to... It seems like they've kind of been building Sheeta to win, you know, going back even to before the pandemic stuff. Um, you know, and if we think that Britt Baker was going to win earlier on the card, then maybe they were building Britt to be Hikaru's first count challenger. And yeah, that kind of worries me because it's, you know, not like just won it. I know she hasn't been around, but you also don't want to reward Sheeta for being around because Nala was unable to be around. That's kind of the shitty thing to do. And I, you know, if you have, if you throw it to Cheetah here, just seems like you're kind of hot shotting that title around, and maybe it, it rapidly does not mean very much because it's just the the belt that you change because you want to do a title change, which is the wrong thing for any belt to be. Yeah, and it's not as if Nyla doesn't have possible opponents in front of her. Remember, before the shutdown, they the like the big face off was uh, Nyla Rose, Chris Statlander, Big Swole. So there still are opportunities there as well. So, I mean, you can still have that way to go for it. 
I do think Akarashita, and I think a lot of it has been because she's been around. But no, but really, when you look at the whole entire promotion in a nutshell, she's been the glue of the women's division. And I do think that this is kind of, given the circumstances, this is the biggest women's match they could have, which makes you wonder, is this going to be like, okay, this is the biggest match we can have given the circumstances. Uh, Shida takes the belt from Rose. I just don't think, I, I think you still have enough uh, mileage with Nyla as champion, especially now that she's back around. I think that taking the belt away from her here after they built her up towards it is doing her a massive disservice. Yeah, I think Shida is somebody you want to see get a real chase and story and overcome something and have some attachment to her and you know conquer Nyla Rose down the line where it's a big triumphant moment and not just what you do for this pay-per-view cycle. I think, yeah, so maybe maybe this is another example of uh, the weird shit finally justifying the angles that they did in the past. Maybe you do that showdown with Chris Statlander and Swole on the undercard, and then you have whichever babyface comes out of that be the next challenger to Nyla Rose, and then that confrontation makes sense in retrospect, even though it didn't at the time. You know, the Britt Baker thing, that worries me now that you say it. It's like she's clearly being built up. She was. Th honestly, the injury may have saved them from doing a, a bad, quick title switch here, even though the match in this division is Sheeta versus Britt Baker. I don't think there's any question about that, but it doesn't have to be for the title, right? Like they can they can fight regardless, and they've done face-face title matches in the past. Yeah. There's no reason they can't do Nyla versus Britt at some point if she gets past Sheeta, so... Right, and, and also with Britt, I could see with like her character being the way it is, if she's okay... That like she gets such a response to such a thing that she becomes popular because she's so hated, and I think that they could come back around and that would work out for that as well. So there's a lot of ways to go here, but I think the easy way out is not the right way here. I think Nyla has to win. That's like all of your biggest baby faces ever. Well, I, I mean, yeah, attitude era on at least. Like, I mean, Flair, Flair was that way. That's true. Even Flair, when you go back. So I mean most of your biggest baby faces were heels who the crowd came around on. I, I mean, Hogan originally was supposed to be another ethnic heel in WWF. I mean, uh, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, <laughs> heels. I mean, I mean, no, really like that's, that's true. Lewis Hamilton. The, the, the American audience, uh, becomes attached to winners and they become people attached to people that just stick around long enough that right. they kind of become an accepted part of the landscape. And then, you know, it all becomes like, fuck, how do you pronounce this? Hagiography? Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's so, how, that's how we're going to get like Miz in the WWF hall of fame in like 10 years. Well, everybody's going to go in the WWF hall of fame. So. I can't wait for Otis and Baron Corbin to go in the <laughs> hall of fame and like the greatest R WrestleMania and whatever, like the crazy city that they were going to make in Saudi Arabia. Otis. Otis. Carney land. But yeah, no, I mean, really, like, like Kobe Bryant was like, Oh, well, I, you know, I did a sexual assault, uh, you know, basically had to admit to rape as part of this settlement. Uh, now I'm going to be the heel and the bad guy. And I'm going to, you know, be a poor man's Michael Jordan. And he was just that so long that people started to like him again. It's true. You're right. So yeah, maybe that's, I mean, hopefully this whole injury is like not as bad as it looked and it doesn't derail because she really was getting going. I mean, it really uh, was a hot uh, figure on the show at this point. So that'd be a bummer to not see her be able to realize where that was all going. The main event, John Moxley defends the men's world title against Brody Lee. I assume we all, think that John Moxley's going to win this one. Yeah, needs yeah. to win this. 
He has to win this. I'm interested to see what kind of match this is. Like, that's where the interest in me here is. What kind of match that Moxley and Brody have. Like, because Moxley's someone who is better when he plays the persevering babyface. Like, gets out and is able to, like, bleed and get out by the skin of his teeth. And I'll be interested to see how they are able to betray it. But taking the belt off Mox here is, it would be a colossally big dummy mistake. Are they going to have a bunch of uh, Dark Order shenanigans in this? I I think there has to be, sadly. That's kind of what he did in the inner circle match with Jericho is, you know, they all got involved and Aubrey had to throw them out and shit. Maybe this is where he just like, instead of throwing them out, just has to go through six guys at the same time. I'd be okay. What if he takes them all out during the show before the main event? I kind of like that. Okay. Do a bunch of little interspersed angles yeah. where he's uh, killing putties. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Maybe. He throws like John Silver off the roof of the TIA field. I really want to see really, someone go yeah, flying. Yeah, you're kind of uh, focused on this yeah. giant pratfall. We have a stadium that they could do something on that could be ten times cooler than whatever they did on the roof of WWE Tower. We got we got Vince McMahon over here trying to book this show. Um, I just I think I don't know. We'll see what the uh, what they want as far as having shenanigans involved. But I think Brody Lee as like a human is going to want to prove something. Yeah, on this oh, show, sure. yeah, absolutely. Like what you can do in the ring, so right. I, I'm down on this match in the you know context of the promotion, but I'm excited about the idea of the actual wrestling match between these two people. In that, I think Brody's going to want to prove something. Moxley's going to want to help his friend prove something mm -hmm. in this match. So I think there's a, a real chance that this turns out to be a really good match. That I don't think you're wrong, but. Both those things are probably also the goals of John Moxley and Jake Hager in their match, and that did not work. Yeah, but Brody's a lot better than Hager. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of like that. You gotta. He's he has to go throughout the day, eliminating the rest of the Dark Order, so that they can just do a straight ahead title match here. And that's something that you could even do put on social media. Like you could have like all right, like in the lead up, like him go take Alex Reynolds. Like oh no, we we spot this backstage. He's done a paradigm shift through a chair on Alex Reynolds. Like there's ways you could do this that could actually build up people's interest. And if there's anyone who's not already going to be buying the show, they'll have a reason to buy the show. All right. Let's talk buy rates. What I you also guys kind of just want, I want to see the dark order break room where you have like <laughs> six and seven are like standing by a shitty vending machine. There's like a little table there and maybe one of them smoking. And it's like, yeah, man, fucking 401k. And then for a Moxley wrecks him. This is <laughs> cholesterol little, levels. This is turning into like uh, Venture Brothers with uh, okay. the Monarch and like the idea of like organized villainy. This and, is probably why I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Like <laughs> the the corporate the corporate aspect of the cult 20, is totally twenty one. Yeah. 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 Okay, but, we're on to something here. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll workshop this. I feel like that this is this is a bit better seed than just the weird promo about sacrifice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's predict how many people are going to watch this uh, this bit that you all have planned out. So <laughs> they've done about a hundred to one hundred ten thousand on just about every show. Obviously, this one's a lot different. No fans in the building. The TV ratings have been slightly down. Um, I've been on record as predicting that it will be cut in by cut in half. Uh, they'll be looking at about fifty thousand. The there are two competing ideas. One is less people watching. And, you know, COVID and people not having as much money is going to bring down the buys. The other view is that 
AEW has a hardcore fan base of about 100,000 people who will buy every pay-per-view they ever do. And uh, that's the question here, I think. Well, it seems like uh, PW Torch had some stuff on the DVR viewership of Dynamite. And, you know, they were regularly breaking a million with DVR viewers included up until really the no fan shows started. Now they've been in the 900,000 range. So, you know, the uh, the circumstances have at least driven away some of their regular TV audience, uh, yeah. which we, you know, have also seen just in the, the, the overnight ratings. So, you know, I'm going to predict a little erosion because you also have you know, people with uh, changed economic circumstances and stuff. So right. I'm going to, before Mike does his dissertation, I'm going to say uh, 70, 70K. Okay. So I have two things that I've been work that I have that I'm going to present for y'all. The first thing is something that I've been working on for a while that I've been teasing. What I find really interesting in tracking this, and I've looked across like UFC, I've looked across WWE in this, is the idea of converting people from TV watchers to pay-per-view buyers. That is the most central way of putting money into a company's pocket is that way. And the way that you do this, and you kind of derive a number out of this, and it, what it is, it's converting people from being one kind of affinity fan to taking the next step of affinity, and you're converting them. And, and what I've done is I've looked at a conversion rate, and this is something I want to work on for a while, but I just... I'm at a point now where I feel like I could kind of give my thesis, my abstract and explain what I have now. It'll be something that I'll play with on upcoming shows and it'll be tweaked because we'll get more data, more data and more data. So for what I took for this and what I've based this on was the five week average of the P2, which is general viewers, that's the raw number and averaging that into about a, for the five week period. So you get an entire blend of this and then how many of those people I divide that into the pay-per-views. So for for Full Gear, there was an average of 939,600 viewers in the weeks leading up to it. And that was the one that got the lowest amount of buys, about 100,000. You divide it out, and it turns out you converted about 10, 10% of people, which is a very high rate. WWE, when they still had pay-per-views, this rate was somewhere between, like when they're getting like 3 million viewers, they were only getting about 187,000 buys for like your like fast lane or fatal four-way pay-per-views they weren't doing great and then i did it again for the revolution pay-per-view that time they were averaged the five-week average in the lead-up was eight hundred and sixty-six thousand, and they had about one hundred five thousand buys that turned out to be a 12.12 percent thing a percent conversion rate and then converting that out and adding in the five-week average leading up to double or nothing is seven hundred and two thousand viewers and applying the conversion rate average from the first two shows which was 11.38 to the uh, viewership, the raw number I got was 80,000 buys. So that is the number. I think that might be a little high, and I think we will see the, coming out of this pay-per-view what the true conversion number was, and it'll be a little bit lower there. So I got about 80,000 buys if it turns out to hold the same rate as it did before. But as Nate said, like the economic differences, people turning off the TV, I don't think it's going to hit that high. 70, 65 to 70,000 is what I'm thinking. So 80,000 is like the projection number that I have that is, this is the first time I'm doing this. So never to be way off and it'll be changed over time. But I also think in my gut is about 65 to 70. So we're all, none of us think they can pull out 100,000 buys as they usually do. I'd be stunned, wouldn't you? 
Yes. It would be it would be a you know remarkable feather in their cap, I think. But it would. I, I do there was some talk about this on, on Twitter last night. I don't think the go home show thing applies at all. I think whoever was gonna buy this is gonna buy it. Okay. No matter what. Uh, it feels it feels to me like it's are you are you invested in the promotion? Are you following the promotion at this time or aren't you? I yeah, I don't know that people make you know, especially when the card's already established. I don't yeah, think right. we're making decisions on a one night basis. That's fair. I don't I don't think so either. I think in this like nowadays the way people watch wrestling is it, it's become such a, a, a niche fandom that it's like if you're into it, you're gonna buy all the stuff. And, you're, you're gonna watch everything. Right. And if you're an AEW fan, like we've seen we've seen that you are in a niche of a niche and you have been people who travel to shows and they might be like, Oh, I was originally going to travel to Vegas for this. I got the money back. Am I going to buy the pay-per-view now? Like there's, there's that's true. questions that to be that's, here. That's 10,000 other people. I mean, possibly. I mean, the, yeah. the, like when I generate this conversion number, I'm using basically what would be the ideal environment, but we live in an, an ideal environment. There could be people right. who, you know, got their stimulus check and was like, Hey, this is $1,200. How much coming in? I'm now going to put this money aside. I'm okay on everything else, but I have like this optional income now that I'll toss towards this pay-per-view. There's that's a lot of different ways this can go. That's a fair point. Or there could be that people just haven't been, everyone because of the economic slowdown as a result of COVID is to such an extent that they can't, that they can't justify it. So could be that piracy is incredibly up on this show. Could be that a lot of people who would normally travel to AEW shows do not have, like got their flights canceled, got the refunds and now have the $50 to pay for it. So who knows? It'll be interesting. We'll look forward to uh, breaking that down when it comes out next week on Dynamite. The only thing we know is going to happen is a battle royal to determine the first TNT championship challenger. So we're continuing with these like gimmick matches to make title challengers. <laughs> well, you see, you know, the, the top five rankings are uh, separate and apart from title challengers, of course. Apparently. Yeah. Or apparently have no, uh, no basis in who's going to challenge for titles. So, who cares about them? Like I, I had an idea for the uh, for the ladder match, the casino ladder match. If it can end at any time, right? So it's it's entries are like the Royal Rumble, staggered entries, and you can win no matter who's come out. You can win. So my idea was, well, then they should do that by rankings, so that the early people who come hey, out you have an advantage because you've won more matches. That's a tremendous idea. Then it's like, oh, some of these wins and losses actually fucking mattered. Yeah. That'd be ideal. It's like playoff seating. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. It, but if you start this with like Kip. I think I'm I think I'm being yeah. too swayed by your arguments on this show, Aaron. You I'm, are. I'd it's, like it's, to back off of that. It's been a really strange okay episode for me. The, 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 we have played very nice this week in comparison to the last week last few weeks. There's not been any arguing whatsoever. I gotta say, for like a show in which all of us were pretty negative on the episode <laughs> and the build, it's been like a fun show for being negative. Hey, y'all even y'all ever human or humored my dumb uh, analytics I'm trying to do here? No, I think that's really compelling. Actually, I think it's a pretty fascinating way. It's just we need way more data. Yeah, I think. yeah. This is gonna be like a living metric that I'm gonna be working. I think on. I think you should do it more like Meltzer and just eyeball the Google searches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see what the uh, trends are like. Yeah. Oh, Google Trends. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's everything for this week. I'll just remind you all if you want to reach out to us at everything AEW. Uh, if you're a patron, 
I assume, I mean, we're not going to be doing voice chat because we'll do an instant reaction right after, but yeah. we will be, we'll be hanging out in there, I'm sure, chatting uh, as we can during the show. Uh, Mike and I, we'll try to coax Nate into there one of these days. So if you want to hang out and chat with, uh, with some friends during Dynamite, we'll be in the Everything Elite Discord. And if you're a patron and you haven't gotten in there yet, if you already are on Discord, it's automatically connected. So you will just see our, our channel pop up. Otherwise, I put a post up on our Patreon that shows you how to connect your Discord to the Patreon and it'll load you right in. So go do that. Uh, if you need help at everything AEW, at Aaron Like the Car, don't tweet at a pit. I says he doesn't know <laughs> about how to do it. At uh, Fuji Hey, I can also help you. Uh, subscribe. Hey, 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 why are you putting me out here? You know how much I hate getting. <laughs> yes, I no. Yeah, yeah, you could tweet at me too. That's fine. I mean, all I'll do is hit you with the link from the thing I did on Patreon. <laughs> That's so. fair. Yeah. So do all that and check out patreon.com slash everything elite. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.